Hey friends, uh, because of the snowstorm today, there's like dozens and dozens of churches that have canceled service, including Point Way. And I had planned to uh, share a Advent sermon on the topic of hope and uh, still thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just share this with everybody since we're all homebound anyways with the blizzard. Uh, assuming that you are and you're not trying to adventure and find someplace open this morning, I've got a word of encouragement for you. Now, I have grown up in the church, and we've celebrated Advent my whole life and lit the candles. And this year, I wanted to kind of actually dig into the history. What is Advent? Why do we celebrate it? Uh, what's the symbolism? Is it still relevant for 2019? And in order to uh, figure that out, I wanted to look back even further. Why do we celebrate Christmas when we do? And I found out that the first Christmas uh, celebration of December 25th happened in the year 336. That's the year that the Roman Emperor Constantine, he was the very first Christian Roman Emperor uh, that, that had us celebrate Christmas on that day. And the the tradition behind that uh, kind of varies. I mean, there, there's some people that, uh, a very early Christian tradition that said that when Mary was told she would have the baby Jesus was on March 25th. That's when it's uh, still celebrated today. It's called Annunciation Day, nine months after March 25th, December 25th. And uh, some early Christians also thought that, um, that they, they had calculated that the day that the, the crucifixion happened was on March 25th. And there was this, this interesting uh, calendar symmetry between the same date of the crucifixion being the same date of the Annunciation. So that's some of the reason why people think that December 25th is, is the reason that we celebrate that. The other thing that people point to is that there was the uh, the winter solstice and the, the pagan Roman midwinter festival of, of Saturnalia. There was the uh, Solus Invicti, which was this uh, celebration of, of Roman vict military victory. And so there was already uh, kind of this celebration and, and drunken debauchery already happening. And so maybe the thought was to redeem or replace the celebration that was happening with this new Christian celebration that took place at the same time. Maybe an invitation to say, hey, hey, let's do the celebrating thing, but let's celebrate this instead. So a couple of different ideas there on why we celebrate on December 25th. Was Jesus born on December 25th? I don't know. Does it matter? That's when we at least commemorate it. And uh, as soon as we had kind of the date of December 25th pinned to the calendar, it became a really important part of the church liturgical calendar. Just like the time leading up to Easter, this period of Lent uh, tied to, to uh, you know fasting, there was this fasting as early as the fourth century amongst that would, would fast uh, during the, the first few weeks of December getting closer to this Christmas Mass. And uh, it's interesting because uh, Advent has always kind of had this this twin focus. The word Advent comes from Adventus, which was is a, uh, a Latin word, that the translation of the Greek uh, parousia, and I'm probably butchering that, which is a word used in Scripture to actually talk about the incarnation, the coming of Christ in human flesh. And it's also used in Scripture, that word, when it's talking about Jesus's second coming. And Advent was always uh, aimed at focusing on looking towards both of these events. And the countdown of, uh, you know, these this this uh, candle countdown uh, has been a part of that, that 
uh, anticipation for a long time. It was in 1839 that we have kind of the first record of an Advent wreath. Uh, Johann Mikern was a minister working with the urban poor in Hamburg, and he worked in this school. And every day the kids would ask him, is it Christmas yet? How many days till Christmas? And uh, you can kind of imagine he just got kind of fed up of, with them asking. And so he had this wagon wheel and he placed 20 red candles around it and four white candles. And every day they would light a candle around the wagon wheel and in that build up to, to Christmas. And course, different uh, denominational backgrounds have had different colors of candles or different themes tied to the colors, uh, but the candles stuck. That, that started in 1839. In, in recent years, while there are still some churches that celebrate Advent, uh, it, it seems like there's so much more Advent celebration that's tied to the commercialization of Christmas. I did a Google search and uh, there was Lego advent calendars, and there was Harry Potter advent calendars, and wine advent calendars, and cheese advent calendars, and uh, there was a, a Christmas socks advent calendar where uh, every day there was a pair of socks. And the, the, so it, it, even though so much of our culture is no longer tied it to the, this uh, this uh, holy like anticipation of the coming of Jesus, there's still a, this this countdown mentality. And it's interesting because uh, you, when you look at the Bible, there's this, this hinge between the Old and the New Testament. And the entire Old Testament really acts as this Advent countdown calendar that, that points to Jesus. Uh, the, that starts in, in Genesis 1 with Adam, who brings sin into the world, and then it, it looks forward to the coming of the final Adam, Jesus, who saves us from our sin. And uh, we have this uh, all throughout the Old Testament, all these images, these pictures uh, of uh, incompleteness, of promises that, that find their fulfillment in Jesus. Uh, Paul's pretty clear in Romans 3.21. He says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The law and the prophets is a shorthand for the Old Testament. The promises that were made to Abraham and Noah and Moses and David and the prophets, all of them maybe had some temporary fulfillment in the in the context of when they were given, but ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, who is our prophet, priest, king. And um, one of the scriptures that we read every uh, Christmas season is in Isaiah Seven. Uh, Isaiah had all these different prophecies of the coming king. Uh, Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. And uh, just in case you aren't able to connect the dots, in Matthew, uh, after you know the genealogy of Jesus and and the coming of the angel and and uh, delivering the the message to uh, to Mary and Joseph, again Matthew underlines just as it was written. And he, he shares that verse to tie it to, uh, this was foretold, this is fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 9 uh, gives us some more prophecies about this coming king. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing spoils. 
for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders and the staff of the oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And in this passage in Isaiah 9, uh, what, what a beautiful picture of, of this, this longing that, that uh, Israel had for this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, who establishes justice and righteousness in this kingdom that, that never ends. And um, I think it's fascinating that, you know, all through the Old Testament, before the coming of Jesus, there is this anticipation of, of the coming savior, longing for that coming savior. And no one in the Old Testament saw that promise fulfilled with their own eyes. In Hebrews 11, there's the, uh, it's known as like the, the hall of faith. Uh, I've heard that, uh, that there's all these people. It says in Hebrews um, 11, one, it says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen for our ancestors won God's approval by it. In Hebrews 11, it, it talks about Abel and and Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, and Sarah, and uh, all of these, these people in the Old Testament that, that had faith, this, this epic faith. Verse 13, these all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance. They saw these promises from a distance. Greeting them, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they had come from, they would have had an opportunity to return, but they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I love this picture that we are, as Christians, longing for a country that we that is not our home, this other place that we're we're passing through. We are uh, we are refugees that are looking for our ultimate home. And um, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, uh, he, he he visits this this idea of longing in his books, uh, in the Narnia books, and he mentions it in uh, Mere Christianity and in uh, The Weight of Glory. He actually explicitly talks about this longing for another country that, that is found in uh, that, that word, that phrase in Hebrews 11. And he said uh, uh, this longing, the, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. It's just this idea that all of these joys, all of these things that, that stir our hearts are 
just these pale reflections, these echoes of a tune that we haven't heard, these new, this news of another country that we have yet to visit. And uh, I, I love that. It, it, it's kind of uh, bittersweet because in that description, there's this, the longing is unfulfilled, at least now. Um, but it is something that we, we cling to in faith. That's uh, even, even if we can't pin a name to it, I think that every human heart has a longing for that other country, has that longing for uh, the ultimate peace, the ultimate fulfillment, that relationship with God. And that God-shaped hole, that longing, whenever we try to fill that with stuff, it, it isn't satisfying. Um, there's there's all these things that we, we count down to. How many days until payday? How many days until the three-day weekend? When we see the grandkids, when the next episode of The Mandalorian drops, and, and, and we hold on to, oh, I can just make it a couple more days until that day. And then we reach it, and we find that it's a little bit unfulfilling. And then we look back at our calendar and say, okay, what's the next thing that I can cling to? Um, and it's fascinating. When I used to work in the service industry, we'd have all these servers that were just counting down the minutes until they were done with work. And then uh, counting down the minutes until the weekend and counting down the minutes until, and it was just this perpetual cycle of longing and dissatisfaction and longing and dissatisfaction. Christmas for a lot of people is about expectation. Um, what am I going to find under the Christmas tree? What is my Christmas bonus going to be? Oh, what, oh the, the, the food that we're going to eat at grandma's and, and uh, all these songs we're going to sing and the memories that we're going to make. And, and we can get so caught up in all of the stuff, all of the celebration that we miss the entire point. As, as we long to, as we, we're tied to nostalgia and tradition, we lose a grip. We, we seek the gifts of Christmas, but not the giver of Christmas and his coming, the advent of his arrival, and ultimately, again, that looking forward to his his second coming. Now, I mentioned that the first candle uh, on the Advent wreath is symbolic of hope. What is hope? Uh, we're talking about hope, and then Hebrews 11 talked a lot about faith, kind of using those interchangeably. They're not the same thing, but they're 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 intertwined. Our hope is built on faith, and hope is this earnest anticipation that comes from believing something good. Uh, whatever we we uh, we individually long for, we all long for, uh, and we all put our hope in the fact that Jesus said that He is coming again, and by faith we trust. Jesus' words, that, that leads us to have hope that one day we're going to spend an eternity with him forever. And uh, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, the, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, Scripture says. That's the basis of our faith. We have this promise from Jesus that uh, because I live, you also will live. And that's the basis of our hope. As I was uh, looking into this online, I saw this, this great illustration of what, what's the difference between hope and faith. And they, they talked about um, when a child is told by their parent that uh, they're, they're going to an amusement park, that, um, that belief, that knowledge, okay, we're going to go to the amusement park, that is faith. That joy that is kindled, that where they're hopping up and down and they say, can we go? Can we go? Can we do it yet? Can we go to the amusement park? That is hope. That is that longing. The child's trust in the parent's promise, that's faith. 
the child's delight and anticipation is the hope. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Hope is looking to the reality of the future. Biblical hope is not um, just the mere desire for something good to happen. And, oh, I hope in God isn't, I'm crossing my fingers that something good's going to happen. No, it's uh, in the words of the missionary William Carey, uh, expecting great things from God. Do I, do you expect great things from God? Am I living with urgency and excitement and anticipation in my heart that, that we're living in the last days, that God's going to get do miraculous things in my life and, and through me and, and in the pe people around me? Um, am I prepared at any time to give an answer for the hope that is within me? Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. Again, William Carey, um, as God has been faithful in the past, we know that he is going to be with us in the present and he's going to be standing with us in the future and he's going to provide for us. And though I have all these plans and I think about what I'm going to do next week, what I'm going to do next year, um, God's got bigger plans and we need to make sure that we aren't um, turning our hopes um, uh, into idols, that we're, we're hoping in the right things, that we're clinging to Jesus and his plans and not our plans. Uh, God, if I'm, if my, uh, not my will, but your will, that idea. Um, we, we can't get bent out of shape if God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we think he should. And, um, you know, we can have our hope in the right place and yet we can still struggle. Um, for Christmas, a lot of people struggle with really deep depression. And I think because there is this expectation that, that there's all this buildup it's such a short time and we have to do so much and, and I hope it's going to be so much better this year and, and I just need something and it's dark outside and and uh, and yet it can be a struggle. Um, I get it. I've been there. Maybe there's an empty seat at the, the kitchen table this year. Maybe there is a memory that you don't want to revisit. There's a conversation that you hope doesn't get brought up from your, your family and friends. Um, hang in there. Um, here's the hope that we have as, as Christians. Uh, there is a Christmas song that I love that is tied to this theme of hope, and that's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And it was written uh, from this perspective, tying some of this Old Testament imagery of Israel in exile, longing for freedom, longing for Messiah, longing for uh, that, that kingdom that we read about in Isaiah, right? And um, there's also this turn in the song where it talks about that hope that we have, that Jesus will come again. We live in a world of pain and cancer and shootings and natural disasters, but there's good news. Our God has not abandoned us. Um, and, and his rescue plan is already, the mo it's already moving. And we have this hope that Emmanuel's coming to rescue and redeem his world. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall ransom the, shall come to the O Israel. Um, as I was looking at hope and I was talking about it with my wife, Amanda, I was looking at uh, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. And I think that I'm going to tie it off with this, this challenge. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. 
as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We don't want to be, uh, we don't want to conform to those evil desires when we lived in ignorance, but uh, we want to be obedient children that are alert, that are sober, that are setting our hope on the grace that is going to be revealed at Jesus' coming. Dear Jesus, as we uh, enter this Advent season, may we not get caught up in um, all this anticipation and all this stuff, uh, but may we live with hearts that are eager to see you. Urgent excitement that uh, well, we don't know how much time we have, but we're going to use the time that we have to share the hope that's within us, that, that we know that you're going to work and, and use us and that we're, we're prepared to be used and we're prepared to step out in faith and doing the hard things. And God, rather than seeking um, happiness and, and, and may we seek holiness, God, we, we, we want to set our hope and our faith in you, in eternal things that are not going to leave us empty but, but that will strengthen us and that will equip us for the hard days ahead. God, we love you and we praise you. And during this Advent season, we cling to the hope that as you came in a manger 2,000 years ago, that you are coming again to save and redeem this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas and, uh, and cling to that hope.